Come on in, everybody. Come on into this wonderful space. Grace and peace to you from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ, who is resurrected. I'm telling you, I'm Jason Thompson, and I'm very glad that you joined us for this April edition of the Think Big Virtual Revival. Tonight is for those of you who are dreamers or visionaries, those of you who are entrepreneurs or creatives, each of you who are anomalies with water walker potential. Let me tell you, you are not here accidental uh, tonight, accidentally, but you are here certainly because God knew by his providence that each of us needed to be in this space. Listen, before we begin, I'm gonna ask all of you uh, to take a moment and like, anytime you can, like this broadcast and even share the broadcast and this worship service on your own social media platforms. Listen, we know we want tonight's Think Big Revival to get as uh, or to reach as many people as possible. And the very simple act of liking and sharing could change the very trajectory of someone else's life. I know we can do it. So just go ahead right now and like and share as much as you can so that we can um, uh, take the word of God, this powerful word of God, of God tonight into every place that's, um, that's possible. Let me tell you, uh, many people have been asking, uh, what is Big. What is Think Big? Well, listen, let me just couch tonight's conversation in this, that the Think Big Revival is a virtual space that's designed for the full, the conscious, and even the active participation uh, of kingdom-minded people. Notice that I didn't say church people, but I said kingdom-minded people. Those of us who are young and old, those who are powerless and powerful, newcomers, and as well as lifelong worshipers. Through the Think Big Revival, we are led beyond ourselves to give ourselves away for the work of ministry. And that work of ministry is for the needs of our local community as well as those uh, in the global community. And so uh, a hallmark of this Think Big Revival is its potential to mine the very richest of scriptures for deeper encounters with the message of the gospel 
where true, uh, where our true purpose and our destiny in him can be found. Listen, I don't know if that's you tonight, but I'm glad you're here for Think Big. And I want to begin tonight talking about something that all of us need. That is vision. Okay, I'm going to say that again. All of us need vision, vision. I'm going to say it one more time, vision. And there is an important distinction to be made between having sight and having vision. Are you are you with me? The difficulty that so many people apparently have is that they only possess sight, which is the power of observation. Uh, And that power of observation allows you to see a situation. Watch this. As it currently exists. Yeah. You may be able to describe that situation or you may perhaps be able to diagnose it. But watch this description and diagnosis uh, through our own natural eyesight will always be limiting. Okay, did you hear me? Yeah. Our own natural eyesight is always limited. What we need is vision. I, I wish someone would listen to that vision. Vision, writes George Barna. From the power of vision is a clear mental image of a preferable future that's imparted by God to his chosen servants and is based upon an accurate understanding of God and um, uh, self and circumstances. Are you listening? Right. So I'm sure that you all know people with sight, people who have the powers of observation, people with perspective, people who have their own opinions. And, And listen. Don't get me wrong. All of that is fine. But what we need are people who can take this one step farther uh, and one step further. We need people with vision. Uh, Are there witnesses tonight in this this broadcast is that there are people who need and have and want vision. Listen, vision is what allows you to see not just what is a print but also to see what is not obvious and therefore to see what is possible. And anybody can tell me or describe for me or even diagnose for me a situation as it currently exists, but to see what is evident or obvious takes no special talent. It takes no special skill. It takes no special gift. It takes no special acumen, but to look beyond the obvious and to see more than what the eye uh, can see requires spiritual vision. Mm. Anybody with me tonight? Yeah, and I want to say this before we bring on Pastor Edwards, that vision is not our human eyesight. Vision is God's spiritual insight. Yeah, so we want insight, not just eyesight. Are you with me today? Yeah, and I'm so glad that that, that our guest uh, is not here by accident because he operates in spiritual insight and not natural eyesight. Would you help me? Welcome all the way to our platform, all the way from um, the St. James AME Church in Asheville, North Carolina, by way of um, Charleston, South Carolina, Pastor Brent LaPrince Edwards. God bless you, Dr. Thompson. I am so excited. I am so honored. I am tickled. I am just exuberant just to be on this platform tonight because in the midst of this COVID-19, in the midst of ABC, NBC, MSNBC, and all the other alphabets, God has something wonderful to say to us. And I want to say to uh, to you and you, and especially you and all of you 
that are watching today, you're not watching this by accident. There is a word from the Lord to impact you and to shift you to that place called nets, to that place called destiny in your life. So excited to be here, Dr. Thompson. I'm glad to have you. And of course, we go way back. Um, You you remember when I was just this knee high. uh, And we're so excited that you were here because you operate, as I said a few minutes ago, in this idea of spiritual insight. And I'm very, very glad that, that you're here. And part of what we do before we release you to preach is that we ask every uh, Think Big Revival preacher to give us or to answer for us three specific questions. And so I'm hoping that you're ready because we're going to learn more about you, not by reading a bio, but by hearing what you say and how your thinking is on these three questions. Are you ready? Yes. Yes. All right. So listen, the very first question we're going to ask everybody, if you want to just chime in uh, in the chat, because there could be some really powerful things that come out of these uh, these nuggets. The first question is, what's essential and timeless in your own faith journey? Or what has been essential and timeless in your own faith journey? What is essential in my in my faith journey? What is essential to me is never losing my connection with God mm. in, in my in my faith journey. Being connected to God, God is the power source, yeah. and um, and and keeping that connection with God is everything. Because if you can remain plugged up with God, mm-hmm. then you have everything that you need to face every challenge, every situation, the wisdom, all of the things that you need. So that's the first thing that's essential to me, and has been for years in my life. Not wow. losing my connection with God. When I'm working out, I stay connected. When I'm on the martial arts mat, I stay connected. Yeah. When I'm teaching, I stay connected. And it's very important to me. What is timeless to me is legacy. Mm. What is timeless to me is legacy. Uh, there's a saying, don't forget the bridge that brought you over. Uh-huh. And uh, because when I think about it, um, the Lord has blessed my life tremendously, but I didn't get here by myself. There were others who helped me, starting with my parents and then other mentors. And I would be foolish to think, no matter how high God may take me in my personal life, I would be foolish to forget the legacy and the bridge that brought me here because we are no stronger than the foundation in which we stand upon. So those two things, my connection with God is essential with me and legacy. Legacy is what's timeless to me and I hold dear. Ah, I love that. I love that because there's some people who I feel like may I feel disconnected. And hope, hopefully tonight, the word of God will connect them back to what yes. is their roots, right? Uh, I often talk about roots and routes uh, and how you know the roots of my, of my own foundation are so strong. But some of the routes that I took kind of took me away. But thankfully, God pulled me back and connected me with people who were built on a solid foundation. Uh, and so I'm hoping that if there's somebody listening tonight who who feels disconnected, that they'll 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 um, plug back in, as you said. All right. Question number two. Uh, one of the things that we talk about is also what's dated, maybe in our ministry thinking, dated in our ministry approaches that needs to be discarded. Maybe there are some things that have reached the shelf life that are crying out, toss me, they don't work no more. What's in your opinion dated and needs to be discarded? Uh, one of the things that's dated. And, and I think this crosses over denominational lines is the resistance to change. Mm-hmm. And we're going to talk a little bit about that as we move through this think big process. But the resistance to change, the resistance or uh, the fear of evolving, because uh, one, one of the things that we must be reminded that we're never called to change the message. We're never yeah. called to change the message. But the method, 
often has to change. And that is why we have an old covenant and a new covenant. That's why we have the Old Testament and the New Testament. Well, God himself said, God promised in in the old covenant, he said that I will establish with you a better covenant. So if God is willing to evolve and change, what about us? So the thing that needs to be discarded, I think, across denominational lines is that resistance to change. I am a lover of tradition. Um, um, to me, tradition, there's, there's good traditions and then there are bad traditions. There are traditions that will advance what God wants to do. And then there are other traditions that will take away from what God wants to do. I'm reminded when Jesus was talking to the scribes and Pharisees who were actually, who lived by tradition, Jesus said, you by your tradition or by your systematic way of doing things have made the word of God of none effect. And so, so in the 21st century today, uh, we have to be willing to evolve. We have to be willing to change and we have to uh, not be afraid to do so. Wow. <laughs> Listen, you're already preaching, right? <laughs> you're, you're already preaching. Listen, if you have not um, started to like and share, uh, write in those comments. We want to send the algorithms on uh, Facebook and YouTube crazy. So come on in and write and respond and be a part and be a witness. Uh, I think you just said something right there that, that just is powerful for all of us to hear about this resistance to change. We don't want it to be a none effect. My gosh, I am thanking God for that. Okay, one more question before we release you to speak a word for us tonight. Um, We've talked about sort of this connective thread between what's timeless in our own lives. We've talked about what is dated and needs to be discarded. Maybe that it's reached its shelf life, it's reached its prime and is of no effect now. Uh, But the last question is, what must be created then in the body of Christ um, for us? To think big in God. What what do we have to create? Two words. Two words. Renewed mindsets. Renewed mindsets all across the board. In order to think big in God, and we are going to tackle this. I'm excited about tackling this subject. We have to have a renewed mind. Everything starts with the mind. Everything starts with how we think. And this is why the scripture tells us as a person thinks in his or her heart, so is that person. Thoughts are powerful because thoughts determine actions. Actions determine behavior. Behavior determines destiny. Um, I used to be a mental health counselor prior to going into full-time ministry. And uh, my specialty area was chemical addictions. And I also served in NA, um, which is narcotics anonymous, alcoholics anonymous, all of those. And one of the things we used to say as a slogan in those meetings is we have to get rid of stinking thinking. Mm-hmm. You will notice in Romans 12, chapter one, he said, I beseech you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, that 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 you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and that you be not conformed to this word world, but check this out, but you be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. You cannot think big if your mind is not renewed. Um, I I remember growing up as a little boy about the little train that was trying to get up the hill and the train kept saying, I think I can, 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 I think I can. And then when the train looked back and saw the distance that it traveled, it said, I know I can. I know I can. I know I can. So mindset is everything. You will go no further than what you believe. You and I will go no further than what we think mindset so what must we do 
what must be created or recreated for us to think big in God? Mindsets, mindsets of everything. I got a million, Dr. Thompson, a million testimonies of the power of having mindsets, of having a good mindset. And um, I'm going to share that with you as we dive into this word tonight. This could be powerful. And listen, I'm already feeling the energy and thanking God for you being here because you are already seeing some things that I think all of us need to hear um, as we are challenged to think bigger in God. Yes. And so listen, yes. uh, you you didn't say this, but I just want to say it, that you have a children's book out too. Um, can you say more about that? Because um, I think that, that, that where you're going to say something else, but I just want to spotlight that and maybe people who may be encouraged to go purchase it, but they also may be encouraged if they're sitting dormant on their own gifting. Right. Because we are one, one of the things I love about you is that you're not just one dimensional. I mean, you are a psalmist. You are an author. You are a pastor. You are martial arts. You are. I mean, And the, the, the list goes on. Can you say something about the book, though? Yes, 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 yes. Um, I wrote a book. Um, our church, our congregation in the city of Asheville, we are very much involved in the life of education. Um, we believe that with a good sanctification, a good education, you're going places. Mm-hmm. And I noticed. We, ha- we hosted a uh, bullying forum, an anti-bullying forum uh, with both school districts in the area of the country where we live. And I noticed that there are not enough resources for bullying for children. There are not enough resources for bullying for children. And if there are resources for bullying for children, it speaks more to the adult rather than the child. So I decided, um, I said, we need to have some type of resource that will speak directly to the child and not only to the the uh, the victim, if I can use that word, but also the offender, because in many of the bullying resources that I've read, the offender is left out. Hmm. And if you want to if you want to heal a tree, you got to start at the root. Wow. So I decided to write a book um, that that speaks directly to children in a language that they can understand, and not only to the children but to the offender. Now listen to this talking about thinking big. I was watching television one night. And the Holy Spirit said, turn the TV on. And then I, I turned the television off. He said, write a poem about anti-bullying. And I started to do that. And the Holy Spirit said, draw pictures to every sentence of the poem that you write. And I did that because I do artwork as well. So it was just a real, real, real simple book. Little did I know that the book would explode to where it's exploding today. Dr. Thompson knows that... Um, on uh, just on yesterday, I received the news that they want to make the book a mainline animated Hollywood Martin Street movie. Talk about thinking big, how God can take two fish and five loaves of bread and feed a multitude. And, um, and, and so so that's one of the things that have happened. And, and, and I want to inspire people because when I look at the book, I've written other books. Right. And I've looked, written books that require a whole lot of research and a whole lot of this and a whole lot of that. And um, this book is so simple. It's, it's written for elementary school age children with pictures. And I drew the pictures and a little simple poem and, you know, uh, keys of hope uh, and recovery and how to get help and all of those different type of things. I thought it was just a little book. But because I thought big, because mm-hmm. one of the things the Spirit of the Lord told me to do, he said, whenever you write or do anything, write on the global level. You don't know who is in your audience. You don't know who's watching you. You don't know who's listening to you. I didn't know Hollywood was reading my books. How do they get a hold of my books? I don't know. 
But that's the story of the book. And you can purchase the book. You can go to bondsandnoble.com. You can, all of the Bonds and Noble all over the world have it. You can go to amazon.com. You can also go to exlibris.com. That's with an X, the letter X, L-I-B-R-I-S.com. And just pull up, you can't bully me anymore. And you can just purchase it um, really from any retail store um, globally and internationally. Awesome. Awesome. Listen, that, that was that was a testimony within a testimony and certainly grateful. We're going to release you now um, to uh, speak to us. And we are certainly grateful to God for you being here. We know it's not in vain. Let's have a word of prayer all over this uh, this this broadcast tonight. Father, uh, we invite you to be in this worship with us and let everything be divinely orchestrated. Thank you, God, according to your will and to your purpose. Uh, we pray that everything you do points others back to you. I pray that you would illuminate and awaken the spirit in each of us. We want Christ to be magnified in our hearts and in our ears and in our eyes, God. As Pastor Edwards uncovers the richness of your word, we pray that we'd be convicted of our sins, that the very idols of our hearts would be revealed and that we'd all be captivated and encouraged by your loving kindness and your tender mercy. God, would you use him? to proclaim a living word in a dying world. I mean, the power of your gospel is so amazing that it can save unbelievers. And for the rest of us who claim to be believers, that it would stir up our affections even more toward you who are our Christ. And so show forth your wonder now in miraculous ways. And we believe it's already done in Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor, brother, preach a mighty big word. Amen. I'm just going to share the heart of God with you tonight. And um, I just want to release some principles tonight. And I'm going to ask if the technician would put the uh, scripture. I want to start off with the scripture text tonight on the screen, which is um, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 24. And uh, we're looking at verses 14 through 30. And we're going to read through these quickly. I I want to lay a foundation. It says, again, uh, again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave a bag of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went out on his journey. The man who had received the five bags of gold went and at once put his money to work and gave five bags more. Uh, and then uh, and then it says, so also the one with the two bags of gold gained two bags more. But the man who had received the one bag went out and dug a hole in the ground and put and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received the five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. And then. He, his master replied, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with the two bags of gold also came and said, master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put in charge you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received the one bag of gold came and said, master, he said, 
I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you've not scattered seed. So I was afraid. I want you to underline that. I want you to think about that, make a note of that. So I was afraid and went out and hit your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master said, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. For whosoever has shall be given more and they that have abundance. Whosoever does not have, even that which he have will be taken from him and throw the worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I'm not going to uh, go into the deep hermeneutics of this particular text, but uh, uh, but I want you to consider this text. I, I read this text in its entirety to you because I want you to get the feeling of the text. And, uh, um, and Jesus was actually uh, discussing several things, actually end time events, which is eschatology. Eschatology is simply a fancy word that talks about last things or last events. Jesus was talking about you know, the judgment of the nations and, and the, the, the sheep on the right and the goats on the left. And he was talking about the importance of faithfulness, the importance of loyalty in that text. But the, the, what I want to bring up from this text is some mindset, because tonight, if we're going to think big, we have to deal with mindsets. So there are four areas I want to cover tonight as we talk about thinking big. I want to cover first, what does it mean to think big? First of all, what does it, we're using this term in this revival. Think big. What does it actually mean to think big? Secondly, I want to ask, answer the question, why should we think big? And then thirdly, who should think big? And finally, how do we think big? But let's first define terms. The word big, according to the dictionary of the Oxford languages, the word big is defined, listen now, as something being of considerable size to the extent of intensity. It is something that is colossal, giant, huge, large, enormous, expansive, epic, something of considerable importance or seriousness. Now, according to the Britain of Prince Edwards under Bridge Dictionary, the word big is simply that which exceeds the norm and outside the box. That's the Britain Edwards version. The word big simply is that which exceeds the norm and outside the box, that which is not bound or restricted to confines and limitations. All right. So let me repeat that. The word big is simply that which exceeds the norm or outside of the box. It is that which is not bound by or restricted to confines or limitations. Now, let's define the word think before we move on. To think of thinking is simply defined as the usage of one's mind to actively form or process an idea. It is also to have a particular opinion or a particular belief about someone or something. Now, let's pull both of these together. What does it mean to think big? To think big, listen now, is simply to believe in possibility. Yes, yes, real simple. To think big simply means to believe in possibilities that exceed and are not bound or restricted to the confines of norms 
and limitations. I want to say that one more time. I want you to get that in your spirit. To think big is simply to believe in possibilities. Woo! To believe in possibilities that exceed and are not bound or restricted to the confines of norms or limitations. In other words, to think big is to break through the glass ceiling. To think big is to accomplish what people say can never be done. To think big is to do what has never been done before. To think big is to not be bound or held to the limitations that your success may make someone else feel bad. Uh huh. Yes, yes. Or your success may make somebody feel uncomfortable. To think big is to dare to be different. To think big is to be willing to be called an oddball, a willingness to be ridiculed, a willingness to be called strange, to see your dreams and your visions come to pass. To think big is to believe that with God and in God and through God that all things are possible. It's time to think big. It's time to think big. When you study history, I love history. I am a history buff. People have a tendency to celebrate heroes who are dead. You know, oftentimes we talk about Richard Allen and and uh, oh, Richard Allen founded the AME Church. Praise the Lord. Richard Allen founded the AME Church. And, 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 and the folks got up off the altar when they were mistreated. But I'm here to tell you, let me tell you something. Can we be honest? If you read the full history, everybody didn't get up off the altar with Richard Allen. Come on now. Because Richard Allen was 27 years and he was breaking the glass ceiling. He saw something that other people really didn't see. People caught on at the end. Let's talk about Harriet Tubman. Harriet Tubman, she thought big. And, and, and folk thought she was strange. Folk thought Harriet Tubman was strange. Here you are, and, and during that time in American history, women were really considered as second-class citizens. And, and, and here Harriet Tubman, here she's a woman, but yet she believed that she could uh, be a modern-day Moses and escort slaves to freedom. She thought big. Folk caught on at the end. We can go on and on. Daniel Hill Williams, who did the first successful open heart surgery. We could go through uh, a Garrett Latimer and so many other people that have done tremendous things that were thought of as being strange in the beginning. But they thought big. They were willing to move out of their comfort zones. So to think big simply is to believe in possibilities. Now, why should we think big? Oh, there's several reasons why we should think big. Uh, Proverbs 23 and 7 says, as a person thinks in his or her heart, so is that person. A soul will be the condition of that person. I mentioned this earlier in the interview that thoughts determine actions. Actions determine behavior. Behavior determines destiny. And listen to this. Not God. If you are going to do anything in this life, if you are going to be successful in this life, your success is not up to God. No, it isn't. Your success, my success is not up to God. But the success that we will experience in this life or not experience in this life is a result of our own choices and daily decisions that we make from day to day on a day to day basis that will determine our destiny. 
I am a lover of Joshua 1 and 8. And he tells Joshua, he says, uh, this book of the law shall not depart of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate in the day and night. And he says, and you will make your own way prosperous and you will have good success. The text doesn't say that God will make your way prosperous. You will make your own way prosperous. There's a song that says, tell me what more can I do? Tell me what more can I do? The song says, he's laid the foundation, open up the way. Tell me what more can I do? God has laid the foundation. God has opened up the way. It's up to us now to move through. He has already provided everything that you and I need to be successful in this life. Oftentimes, listen now, oftentimes, sometimes our success, our success is stagnated or is hindered because we're looking for things on the outside. Sometimes we ask God for things that God has already granted to us. And we may say to us, well, I've been praying for this for years. Why hasn't it happened yet? And sometimes God already answered prayer, but we're not able to recognize the package that is wrapped in. This reminds me of the scripture where Jesus says, the kingdom of God does not come with observation or like the kingdom is over here or the kingdom is over there. But Jesus said that the kingdom of God is on the inside of us. My brothers and my sisters, what this is saying to us tonight is that everything you need in your life to be successful is already on the inside of you. It is just a matter of stirring it up. But what's on the inside of you, those gifts, those talents, those graces, that ability, that anointing, all all that's on the inside of you, it cannot be stirred up until we first change our mindsets. We have to think big. We have to believe because if you think small, guess what? You're going to get small. If you think big, guess what? You're going to get big. And we see this in the text in Matthew and the text that we read in your hearing. We see that we see it's a text about stewardship. Now, the King James Version uses the term talents, but that word talent actually is translated into money. And some translations uh, translated into gold. There are other translations that actually translated into silver. But the fact of the matter is that they were all given some finances that they didn't have before. The first man was given five five talents, according to the King James. Uh, he was given five bags of gold, according to the New um, International Version. And guess what? He thought big. He took the five bags and gained five more and had 10, 10, 10 bags of gold. The second man was given two bags of gold and he thought big. And then guess what? He gained two other bags of gold. Then the one man was given one bag of gold and he did something totally different because of fear, because of fear, and because of laziness, we're going to talk about that. Because of fear and laziness, he put the talent in the ground and gained nothing. Now, let me tell you this. Now, when, when, the, when the proprietor came back, uh, because they were only stewards of the graces that were given to them, the proprietor, he rewarded and he celebrated the first two stewards. He celebrated them. And guess what? Let us bless you. He didn't celebrate them on quantity. He celebrated them on quality. Because they all weren't given the same graces. One was given five bags of gold. The other was given two bags of gold. One was given one bag of gold. He rewarded them on the basis of loyalty and on the basis of quality. Can I give you a golden wisdom uh, a nugget right here? Listen, uh, if you cook your meat right and it makes its own gravy, that's what the late Bishop Vincent R. Anderson used to say. But I'm also here to tell you today, listen, 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 listen. Quality will always breed quantity. Quality will breed quantity. 
And so here we see in this particular text, we see that the, the two gentlemen that received uh, the five bags of gold and the other gentleman that received the two bags of gold, guess what? They used the talents. They were good stewards of what they had given them. The quickest way in your life to be frustrated is to compare yourself with somebody else. When we, take, when we think about thinking big, it requires a whole different mindset. You will not, you are at your best being you. Let me share a personal testimony with you tonight. The ministry that the Lord has given me, because I'm only a steward of the ministry and the graces that the Lord has placed in my life. My ministry or God's ministry in me did not begin to expand and enlarge until I first learned to start appreciating the gifts that God had placed in my life. When, when, when I was a new preacher and I was new in ministry, um, there was a particular bishop, and I thought that this particular bishop, he was the icon. And if you can't preach like this particular bishop, you're unanointed. If you can't preach like this particular bishop, the people don't want to hear you. And so I thought that the way this particular bishop preached and exegeted and eisegeted scriptures, I thought it was the standard of ministry. And so here I am as a new preacher. I'm trying to sound like this bishop. I'm trying to preach like this bishop. I'm trying to move and operate like this bishop. Mind you, that was his grace and not mine. And guess what? Every time I did it, I had the flunk monkey sitting on my shoulder. Then I began to realize, and thank God for good counselors, because one of the questions I, I answered, I said, one of the things that's timeless to me um, and essential is legacy, not forgetting the bridge that brought you over. One of my counselors began to say, sign you at your best when you are yourself. He said, preaching is the proclamation of the gospel through human personality. And you are at your best when you are yourself. And so I decided, I said, you know what? I'm going to preach. I'm going to get the training now, you know, but, but, but I'm going to preach like how God gave it to Brent and Prince Edwards. And it was at that point when I began to embrace the gifts on my, in, in, within myself, that's when the ministry began to expand. I learned to think big about what was going on in the inside of me. These gentlemen, these stewards that had the five talents, the two talents, uh, they began, they thought big. They, they weren't concerned about what the other steward was given. Are you listening tonight? They weren't concerned about what the other steward was given. They were more concerned about what was assigned to them. They were faithful and they were enlarged. But let's look at this one servant, this one steward that took his gold and placed it in the ground. I, 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 I'm amazed at the scripture that says that the, 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 when the proprietor returned, he said that he was both lazy and wicked. He was both lazy. I said, what strong terms? He called them both lazy and he called him wicked. And why? Because this steward uh, knew, uh, this steward knew what was required of him. Not only that, he had the time to get accomplished what needed to be done, finished, and he did not use it. He did not use it. And he placed it in the ground. And the proprietor said to him, he said, the least thing you could have done is least put the money in the bank and it would have gained interest. All you had to do is put one foot in front of the other, go down to the bank, give the people the money and the money would gain interest. You could have done that, but you didn't even do that either. Which brings me to uh, something that I want to, uh, want to share with you, that there are three enemies to thinking big. There are three enemies to thinking big, three enemies to thinking big. The first enemy to thinking big is fear. The first enemy to thinking big is fear. And what is fear? Fear is simply having apprehension or anxiety that's, stimul that's stimulated by perceived threat or danger. Fear is simply having anxiety 
apprehension or anxiety stimulated by a perceived threat or danger. God has not given us, the scripture tells us in 1 Timothy, the spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind, or a mind that can, a mind that can, can, can function, a mind that can perceive, a mind that can process, right? The thing about fear is this, that fear paralyzes. There's another text that says fear brings torment, right? And so fear will keep us from thinking big. And fear does not come alone. Fear has a first cousin. Who is or what is the first cousin of fear? It brings me to my second point, the second enemy of fear, doubt. Fear and doubt are first cousins. And what does it mean to doubt? To doubt simply means to be skeptical or uncertain about something. To be skeptical or uncertain about something. And then doubt has another first cousin, right? And this other first cousin of doubt, which brings me to the third enemy of fear, is unbelief. Unbelief. What is unbelief? Unbelief is simply the refusal or reluctance to accept something as credible, reliable, or true. It is the refusal or the reluctance to accept something as credible, reliable, or true. And so fear, doubt, and unbelief are the enemies of thinking big. I'm going to give you the, uh, the antidote for these three things in just a moment. But I also want to add this. Another enemy that will keep you and I from uh, not only uh, uh, not so much thinking big, but operating in greatness is laziness. Woo! Laziness. Laziness is an enemy to your success. You are not going to be successful if you are lazy. Listen, God gave me this revelation and it was so exciting to me. There is not one person in the Bible who received a miracle in both the Old and New Testament that didn't have to do something again. What? Really, Pastor Ed? Are you serious? Yes. Everybody that received a miracle in the Bible, they had to do something to get it. Let me call the roll. Let me call the roll. The woman with the issue of blood. Jesus said, stretch for, not the woman with the issue of blood, but the man with the withered hand, Jesus said, stretch forth your hand. And, and, and it wasn't until he stretched forth his hand that he was healed. When they needed wine at the wedding feast of Cana, Jesus said, go fill seven water pots with water and, 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 and bring them back to me. And when they took the seven water pots and filled them with water, it was at that point that the miracle happened. And the, and the, and the people of the, of the wedding feast said, we have never tasted wine this great, uh, you know, before because of what was hap what happened. When Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, he told the people, he said, take away the stone, take away the stone. And it wasn't until they took the stone away that Lazarus, who had been dead four days, came back. When Moses was at the sea uh, of the Red Sea, God said, take forth your rod, the rod in your hand and stretch it out over the sea. And it wasn't until Moses stretched that rod out over the sea that the sea parted and the children of Israel walked across on dry land. So what am I saying to you today? If you want to see greatness in your life, if you want to see miracles and signs and wonders happen in your life, you and I cannot be lazy. We sing it all the time. Must Jesus bear the cross alone and all the world go free? No, there's a cross for everyone and there's a cross for me. The cross simply represents the will of God. The cross simply represents the will of God. 
So, so you and I have to be willing because faith without works is dead. There are people that want to, uh, uh, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Salvation is free, but you got to pay to walk in the anointing. Salvation is free, but you got to pay to walk in the anointing. What is the anointing? The anointing is a fundamental awareness of God's presence. It's God's presence. It's God's power. It's God's ability on a personal thing to cause them to accomplish what they could not do in mere human strength. Now, once God graces us with that anointing, guess what? There's a price that we have to pay. There's a price. You, you, you're not just going to walk up and rise up in greatness. You have to do something. Uh, uh, Jesus, he, he told the, when the disciples saying, these people have been following you, Jesus, for, for three days. They don't have anything to eat. And uh, Jesus said, well, you feed them. See, Jesus thought big. He said, you feed them. And they said, we don't have anything to feed them with except for this little boy here with two fish and five loaves of bread. Jesus thought big. He took the two fish, the five loaves of bread, and fed the multitude, and fed the multitude. You have to do something. So I said a lot. So let's just kind of review just a little bit of what I've said so far. I said there are three enemies to thinking big. We said one is fear. We said another one is doubt. We said another one is unbelief. And I add to that list, laziness. Laziness is an enemy to keep you and I from walking in the greatness that God has called us to walk into. Now, there are uh, a couple of things I want to share with you. I want to give you four things. I want to give you four things on how to think big. Four things and some strategy on how to think big. So I talked earlier that we have to change mindsets. Everything starts in your mind. We often are a product of our cultures. We often are a product of what we heard growing up. We often are products of what we um, experiences that have happened in our lives. And this is why the scripture tells us in Romans 12 and 1, he says that I beseech you, brethren, by the mercy of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, as I just quoted earlier. But then he says that you have to renew your mind. Your spirit is okay, but the battle is in the mind and in the body, but you have to renew your mind. So how do we do this so that we can think big? May this bless you. Number one, know that God is able. Can you say with me, God is able. Say with me, God is able. Say with me, God is able. He's so able that if you can dream it, God can do it. If you can dream it, God can do it. Now, there's a scripture in Ephesians 3 and 20 that says, now unto him. You got to know that he's a right now God, not yesterday, not, 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 not tomorrow. He is tomorrow, but he's a right now God. Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and present you faultless and, and, and before his throne with exceeding great joy. Then there's another passage that says, now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly far above what we could ask or think according to the power that works within us. So what are you saying, Pastor Edwards? Number one, God is able. There is power on the inside of you. Can you put your hand on your belly wherever you are and say there's power on the inside of me? And, 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 and that power uh, brings the ability to carry out a task because that's what the word able means. To be able simply is the ability to carry out a task. You have to know that the God on the inside of you is able to carry out every promise that he has made in your life. 
to carry out every provision that he has promised to bring forth in your life. Now, so to change your mindset so that you can think big, number one, you got to know that he's able and that he is able to do exceedingly, exceedingly above. The word exceedingly simply means that which goes beyond the expected or the norm. Exceedingly simply means that which goes beyond the expected or the norm. And then above, above, he's able to do exceedingly above which means a higher level or layer. It is a higher level or layer. It's to be superior. It is to be advanced. It is to be elevated. So number one, when you're approaching your task, you have to know that God is able. I have so many testimonies. And, and, and right now I'm sharing with you the story about this uh, this, this this little book that I, that, that I wrote. Um, and I, I just shared with you how I was watching television. The Holy Spirit said, stop watching TV and write a poem. And uh, uh, pictures, draw pictures to every sentence that you have in the poem and make a book. And the Lord said to me, uh, and get it done in two months. He said to me, and get it done in two months. Let me tell you something. I don't know where the money was coming from because to write a book and to write a good one now, you want to write a good quality book. It will take some finances. I didn't know where the finances were coming from for this book, etc., so forth and so on. But I obeyed God. I obeyed God. Now, this is not my first book, but uh, I obeyed God. And when I went to my publishing company, I said, hey, I got another book that I've just written. And um, I said, now, what are we talking? What, what, what's the financial package that we are talking? Guess what they told me? <laughs> Guess what they told me? They said to me, they said, well, uh, Reverend Edwards, uh, we have been trying to contact with you, contact you, but you have a couple of thousand dollars left in our account for you because you were writing another book that you didn't finish because there was another book that I started writing, but I, 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 you know, life happened. I didn't finish the book. I had, so I put that book on hold, but I did not know that that money was sitting in there, but guess who knew the money was sitting in there? The Lord, because the Lord said to me, write this book and finish this book in two months in a two-month period, and then send it off to the publishers. And I did it by faith. And, and when I when I called the people, they said, you have more than enough money to complete the entire project. Somebody give the Lord praise. Why? The point that I'm making is God is able. You have to understand, you can think big. You can think outside the box. You can go beyond the confines of the norms and limitations that people and circumstances may place on you simply because who you are connected to, who you are connected to. And when you are connected to God, anything can happen. Oh, if I could just shout right there. Come on, come on. When you are when you are connected with God, anything can happen. Nothing is impossible. Dr. Thompson asked me uh, at the beginning of this, uh, of the message, you know, what is so most important to me? And I said, my connection with God. I have to stay connected to him. Jesus said it like this in John 15. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Without me, you cannot bear fruit. But if you abide in me, you'll bring forth much fruit. That's how you can stay connected to God. Uh, how do we stay connected to God? By spending quiet time with him. By spending quiet time with God. How do we stay connected to God? How do we get connected with God? Not only are uh, you uh, uh, spending quiet time with God, but allowing the Lord to speak back to you. I often share this with people. Prayer is more than a one-way, uh, prayer is more than a monologue. Because a lot of times people will say, well, 
you know, I'm going to pray. And they do all the talking as if God doesn't have, have anything to say. But connecting with God is not only me praying, but also me taking the time to listen, to hear what heaven has to say. I feel incomplete when I get up off my knees and I don't hear what heaven has to say. I want to hear what heaven has to say, because when heaven speaks back, there lies your direction. When heaven speaks back, there lies your wisdom. When heaven speaks back, there lies your light to light your path. And so so, so one of the things is that when you recognize that uh, God is big on the inside of you, you can accomplish anything because the strength is not yours. The strength comes from God. So how do we think big? Number one, we must recognize God is able. Number two, how do we think big? We must look at the negative part. Now, the negative part is this. Failure to think big limits our potential and risks us spending our lives in lack and unfulfillment. Failure to think big limits our potential and risks us spending our lives in lack and unfulfillment. Let me tell you something. The scripture gives this wisdom of Proverbs. It says that the liberal soul will be made fat or the generous soul will be made fat or the person who gives will be made fat. And that word fat just simply means prosperous, flourishing, et cetera, so forth and so on. And then the scripture also says, but he that withholdeth will come to poverty, right? So, so when I hold back, when I don't walk out on my faith, when I don't think big, when I don't believe that God is able to do what he said he can do in us, guess what? You know what's going to happen? It's going to cause me to live a life risking lack and unfulfillment. There, there's something we used to say in high school, good, better, best. Never let them rest till your good is better and your better is best. And so, so, so God wants to bring us to our best. But if I don't believe that, guess what? I can suffer lack and unfulfillment. I can remember um, um, it took me a long time to finish college because I cut the food. And, uh, you know, that part of my life, a lot of times people see you walking in the anointing of God and see the Lord blessing you, but don't know your journey. But there was a time when um, I went to college and um, I just got beside myself and um, I, I went to college. I was a deans list student. I was, I mean, SG, I was in so many different organizations. And I just um, got beside myself and decided to close my Bible and go the way of the world. And I ended up flunking out of school. And I made all Fs. I remember one semester, I made all Fs. And I told my mother, those Fs stand for fantastic, fantastic. And, you know, that didn't work. That didn't work. Because I came from the generation where your parents throw shoes and things at you. But nevertheless, I went through that little season. And, and, and so I got out of school. And, uh, and uh, I felt so incomplete. Um, it was difficult for me. I couldn't get the jobs that I really wanted to get because I always tell people all the time there's a difference between a job and a career. You know, um, careers are better because they put you on a certain path, you know, but you got to do what you got to do to better come. But I felt incomplete because I did not finish my assignment. I didn't think big. Right. So eventually um, afterwards, I gave my life back to the Lord. Um, I went back to school. I was able to finish school and then get more education and more education, more education that has helped me. Um, along this journey. But the point that I'm making is that when we don't think big and we don't fulfill assignments on our lives, it places a spirit of lack, a spirit of frustration over us. So we don't want to do that. The third thing, and this is so important if you don't remember anything else, uh, the third thing we must do to think big is this. To see dreams fulfilled, one must be willing to take risk. 
To see dreams fulfilled, one must be willing to take risk. Again, look in history. I promise you that it will be very difficult to find anybody that made history that did not take a risk. You and I must be willing to take risk if we're going to see great things accomplished in our lives, right? And so in order to think, take risk, you got to see it before you see it. You got to see it before you see it. Uh, when you go to school, you don't know you're going to get that degree. I mean, you can't see a degree, but you believe if I stay in class, the degree will come. When you're working on a job, you don't see the paycheck. But you believe if I continue to go to work, if I continue to go to work, that paycheck will come. So you have to be able to take risks. You have to be able to step out. Sometimes it means you have to do it all by yourself. And then finally and lastly, to think big. When we think big, we must remember this. We will leave a greater inheritance and legacy for the generation coming behind us to advance and to build. When we think big, finally, we leave a greater inheritance and legacy for the generation coming behind us to advance and to build. There's somebody coming behind you and there's somebody that's coming behind me. And, and, and let me tell you something. One of the reasons why God blesses us, God doesn't bless us just so that we can use all those blessings on ourselves. The Lord blesses us that we may be a blessing to others. And then let this bless you as well. Whenever you are walking in the will of God, the will of God is simply what God wants. Always remember that God will always finance his will. He will always, when, whenever you're doing, one of my favorite scriptures is, uh, is John 5 and 16. It says, this is the confidence that we have in him. If we ask anything according to his will, we know that he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, we know we have received the petitions or the requests desired of him, right? So because God says that, listen, God will finance you. God will finance you when your attitude is that I want to bless others. And then when you begin to bless others, you leave a legacy. So whether you have children or not, the next generation can begin to build on the foundation that you are, that you have left for them. All of us today in America, we are building on the foundation. We are riding on the shoulders of all of those uh, who have come behind us. So let's let's summarize this and let's pull all of this together. Let's pull all of this together before we close. Let's pull all of this together. Let's do a quick review. Let's do a quick review of what we learned tonight. So tonight we, we talked about thinking big. We used the text Matthew 25 verses 14 through 30. And we took a look at the stewards who were giving uh, a, entrusted with a certain amount of money. We saw how two of them did a great job and gained more. One of them, he walked in the enemies of thinking big. And we learned tonight that the enemies of thinking big are fear, doubt, unbelief. And I added to that laziness. We define tonight that to think big is to believe in possibilities that exceed and are not bound or restricted to the confines of norms and limitations. We also learned tonight that how do we think big? We think big by recognizing, number one, that God is able. We think big by recognizing failure to do so limits our potential and risks us living lives of lack and unfulfillment. We learn tonight, number three, that one must be willing to take risk. And then finally, we learn that when we think big, we leave a greater inheritance and a legacy for generations 
coming behind us to advance and to build upon. There is nothing impossible that you cannot accomplish in your life tonight or whatever time you're watching uh, this broadcast, if you think big. We encourage congregations, think big, think big, think big. You know, you know, you know those of us that are, are officers and members that may belong to a particular church uh, congregation, you got to think beyond yourself. You have to think about those that are coming behind us. Those of you that have great business ideas, uh, witty inventions, think big. Let me tell you this. Uh, you want to make money. Sometimes we don't like to talk about money. But listen, you need money. And if you don't want money, you can send it to me. I'll show you what to do with it. But listen, one of the things about um, um, of our businesses is that um, we actually make money off of people's laziness. Mm-hmm. We make money off of, of people's laziness. If you want to see your business prosper tonight, find something that people are lazy about doing and meet that need and your business will prosper. What are you saying? Let me give an example, right? Uh, car washes. There, 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 there's a car wash in Asheville that the line is always, if you don't go a certain time, you're not going to be able to wash your car. Why? Because people don't feel like washing their cars. You know, I got to go to work or whatever the reason may be. And, and, and it may be, uh, you know, people don't feel like washing their cars. So they provide that need of washing the car from somebody else's laziness. They make money. If your business is not meeting a need, the people won't come. But if your business is meeting a need, the people will come. That's why I love Walmart. I remember, look, I'm old enough to say that I remember Kmart was the store. And any some of those that's around my age group, you may remember the blue light sale. And Kmart, whenever that blue light came on, Anything that you got off the shelf was re- a reduced price. Then all of a sudden, Walmart was always in existence. But then all of a sudden, Walmart came up was here. Then all of a sudden, Walmart went. Shh. Walmart, you know, Walmart became the store to attend. Why? Because Walmart started meeting all these needs. Walmart is a one-stop place. You can get food. You can get groceries. You can get uh, things for your car. You can get plants. You can do banking. And most Walmarts, I mean, outside of this pandemic, are open 24 hours because Walmart meets needs. Guess what? Because they meet needs. Guess what? They, people come. It's the same thing. I am quite sure as, as I talk to you tonight and as uh, we pull all of this in tonight, there are so many gifts. There are so many gifts and talents and graces that so many of you have on the inside of you. Many of you hold the key that will uh, change our society and turn our world around. But all you have to do now is learn to think big. Renew that mindset. I hope that something I said tonight um, will has inspired you to move forward in the dreams and the visions that God has given you for your life. God bless you. And thank you so much for allowing me to share this time with you. And so we welcome back to the platform. Amen. Reverend Dr. Jason Thompson. Amen and amen. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Listen, why it's still so hot tonight, do you mind maybe leading us into prayer? Because there may be people who are having to make a decision. If you look at our chat, there is an opportunity for many of you. If you have make it a life-changing decision tonight, you can click on that link and let us know because we want to count for all the fruit that comes out of this revival. But Pastor uh, Edwards, do you mind maybe there are people who may want to give their lives to Christ or be reconnected back to the work of ministry or people who may um, just need a prayer that God's going to help them to, to think bigger than what they've ever thought before. But would you mind just because there's an anointing already here 
that makes a difference. And I want uh, to ask you to pray for all of us uh, at this time, if you don't mind. <clears throat> yes. Um, there are four things we tell people. One, God loves you. Two, God has a plan for your life. Three, God wants a relationship with you. And four, this relationship is through Jesus Christ. What must I do to be saved? Just receive what Christ has already done for you over 2,020 years ago. Mm -hmm. And so why not pray with me? I, I want to invite you to uh, just pray with me and repeat after me, but don't just repeat words. I'm just going to guide you in this prayer, but say these words unto the Lord. Say, mm -hmm. God, my heavenly father, now you pray. I thank you for loving me unconditionally. Yeah, now you, you pray that. I thank you, God, mm -hmm. that you sent your son, Jesus, to die and rise for me. Now you say that to the Lord. I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. Mm -hmm. I believe in my heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my life. Be my Savior and Lord. Walk with me. Talk with me. Lead me and guide me. And when this life is over, give me a home in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. The word of God says, as many as received him, I welcome him in. It couldn't be that easy, Pastor Edwards. It couldn't be that easy. Yes, it is that easy. Why is it that easy? Because Jesus said, it is finished. He said, it is finished. That's why it's so easy. Because he did the hard work. All you have to do is receive him. It doesn't stop there. And um, I'm quite sure Reverend Dr. Jason Thompson, he will be able to give you next steps if yeah. you pray that prayer. Yeah. Amen. Listen, thank you so much. My friend, my brother, for being with us and challenging us, uh, I'm already excited to see what God's going to do, even from your word. And I pray that the power of God just continue to go deep in you uh, and whatever goes in you just comes out. So thank you so much for being with us. Many of you uh, who have been with our revival tonight may feel so inclined to respond by giving. And we've been asking even our own church members even to give ten dollars is, is a really wonderful help to do the work of ministry. Uh, and so if you don't mind, you can go to Givelify and look at First AME Church, Kansas City. You can go to Cash App, uh, which is uh, a dollar sign 1111-F-A-M-E-K-C. Um, consider giving that, that we might continue to keep doing great things like this. Uh, it is not by accident, but the Lord certainly has been here. Pastor Edwards, my brother, God bless you. And thank you so much for helping us to think big tonight. Amen. Thank you. Thank you for having thank you. me. Thank you. Amen. tonight's Think Big Virtual Revival. We hope that you are blessed by tonight's broadcast and we invite you to like and follow our First AME Church Kansas City Facebook page to stay informed about future events. Technology, production and management services for the Think Big Virtual Revival have been provided by Velf Creative Designs and Events. The one-stop shop for your graphic promotional designs, event and planning consultation, video editing and production, and program with management technology needs. Be blessed.
Yeah.